Hi there and welcome to Colour Fit Chat number 11. This week I'm absolutely delighted to say we've got a real big player in the nutrition world in the form of Dr Scott Robinson. Scott is only a young man but he's already made really big waves in pro sport. He was an integral part of the Guru Performance Institute and has been lead nutritionist at several football clubs, including Watford, Aston Villa and Norwich. More recently, he's gone on to set up his own state-of-the-art human performance lab in Leicestershire, where he works with a range of clients, right from the general public through to elite athletes. And his elite athletes are the who's who of boxing, including multiple world champions such as Callum Smith, and he also works with a number of Premier League footballers and motorsport athletes. The lab provides gold standard lab equipment and methods to accurately assess performance, metabolism, health, stress hormones and other biomarkers. And I'm delighted to say that ColourFit will be partnering with Scott Robinson Performance to enhance the services to both our clients. In this episode, Scott talks about nutrition for combat athletes. It's an absolute brilliant show. Remember, if you want to add opinion or ask a question, then please get involved with the Colour Fit Twitter chat on Wednesdays from 7pm. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, so how do boxers maximise performance whilst making weight? Well, there's a number of considerations that they need to take into account. The first is that many boxers actually see making weight as the end goal of a camp, when in actual fact, that's just one part of the process. Boxers need to perform well in the ring, they need to perform well consistently throughout training and throughout camp. They also really need to look towards protecting their bodies, so that is reducing the risk of illness and also reducing the risk of injury, um, improving and enhancing and optimising recovery, energy levels all, all throughout, so it's a really fine balance. For me, it's a, it's a fine balance between making sure that we get the right number of calories into the fighters so that they cut weight gradually and there's nothing too severe, particularly over the final weeks. I've seen some horrendous crashes, weight crashes in the past during the final week and that's a huge impact on how the boxers actually perform in the ring and for me that's especially prevalent during the championship round, so rounds 8 to 12 you really see that impact of the weight cut take effect in, in the ring and that tends to lead to things like reduced reaction time, reduced power, speed, strength, stamina etc. So it's a really fine balance and I think that the advanced physiological testing that fighters can now do and have access to around the country is really good. That helps us to be a lot more pinpoint with our recommendations. Um, they also need to look at their body composition, so to see what they're actually carrying at the start of camp and what they might need to lose. So do they need to lose uh, entirely body fat or do they not have enough body fat to actually make the weight safely and therefore they might need to take away a little bit of muscle. Um, so there's a number of considerations. For me, it's a really fine balance between everything, making sure that the athlete's fueling for all of their sessions very well, that they're cutting back on that fuel as and when required, that they're recovering well, and that they're also adapting as best as possible to training. Other main nutritional considerations 24 hours out from a fight. Well, as most people know, and it's usually the case, fighters will weigh in, and then they'll have around about 24 to 36 hours to focus on their refuel and rehydration strategy. So for me, there's two main things that a boxer needs to focus on. That's replenishing and repleting carbohydrate stores, so it's a carbohydrate load, and that's to focus on repleting muscle glycogen, but also liver glycogen as well, which is often forgotten about, but it's so-called the kind of reserve fuel tank. Um, and then also rehydrating. So many boxers will cut weight, in the particularly in the final phase, by inducing some form of dehydration. 
Now, usually I like this to be acute. I don't like it to be anything too severe. I don't really think there's any need for it to be provided the overall weight coat is done well. So usually we might look to implement a strategic 2 to 3% dehydration on the final phase, so maybe the final 36 hours before the weigh-in. Um, and that's tactical really, so that the boxers can have more fuel and more calories and more energy in the final few days. But therefore, if we've, if we've reduced dehydration by about 2 to 3%, then we need to obviously replenish that and make sure that the fighter steps foot in the ring with ample fluid and also electrolyte stores in their system, because that can make a huge difference to performance. Um, particularly in the in the championship rounds. I think also the fighters should focus on high quality foods after a weigh-in. So in that 24 hours before a fight, let's not take any risks. Let's not go to restaurants where we don't know who's cooking the food, what the quality of the food is. If we can control that and make sure that every calorie and every nutrient is as high quality as possible, then that stands them in really good stead. And then by all means, they can go and enjoy themselves for a little bit after the fight um, once they've got the win. So yeah, that, they will be the main considerations. Also, I think that it's really important to uh, focus on the individual uh, requirements of the fighter. So obviously, if you've got different weight divisions, then they're going to need different amounts of carbohydrate and different amounts of fluid in their system. So again, it's a pinpoint approach to make sure that they're adequately fueled and also focus it on their food preferences and what they actually enjoy eating. So it's all good and well me telling them to eat certain foods, but actually if they don't enjoy them, um, then it's not going to have a good impact and it's not just about the physiological impact on the body it's also the psychological impact too so if we can find a strategy after the weigh-in that marries up what they need in terms of their physiological requirements but also what they're happy to happy to have and what they're used to having as well so familiar types of foods uh, then for me that's that's best practice and the main considerations okay so what are the main physiological tests for a fighter well we're actually really lucky here in that we have a human performance lab, which is where, where we can conduct a wide range of physiological tests on fighters that visit us through the door. So whether that's fighters who are going through a full camp with us or whether they just want one-off baseline testing and then maybe come back in at a different phase of the camp, we're able to cover it. This testing has probably received the most positive feedback from athletes, um, particularly fighters in general. Um, I think it's a way in which you can have a really solid impact and also help them to make the weight and perform optimally. Because as I mentioned before, it's not just about making the weight, it's about being the best version of themselves in the ring on, on fight night. So we'll do a thorough comprehensive check of metabolism. So we'll look at how well the athletes burn carbohydrate and fat as a fuel, both at rest and during exercise. And that has big implications for performance itself and also training and the weight cut in terms of the uh, changes in body composition. We'll also look at their fitness levels. Um, so we can do VO2 max testing, lactate threshold testing, um, fat max testing, etc. And those are all important to look at because for example, an athlete could have a high VO2 max. So for example, their, the size of their engine could be high, but actually their lactate threshold or their ventilatory threshold might not be particularly high. And that's more so the efficiency of their engine so how many miles that, that Ferrari can do to the gallon, so to speak. So we can identify actually where the fighters are at and where the main areas for improvement are with their fitness. And we can also give them metabolism-specific heart rate training zones that they can then work off in order to enhance their training sessions and really get the most from their training sessions. As we know that fighters only do so, can only do so many sessions each week, so how do we get more, how do we tease more out of those sessions so that they, they're that much better? Um, we'll also do body composition analysis, so again, like with making the weight, we can understand what status their body is currently at, so in terms of how much body fat they have, the density of their bones, and also how much muscle mass they have too, which has big implications for how they actually go about making the weight as best as possible. 
Uh, we can do full bloods profiling, so we can look at pretty much every single mineral, protein and vitamin that's important for energy metabolism and essentially performance, health and well-being. We can identify any deficiencies and then feed into that through the nutrition to correct any deficiencies. So this is really important physiologically for a fighter, but if they can again step foot in the ring on fight at night and think, okay, well, I know that all my bloods are in check, I've ticked all of the right boxes, uh, it has a really good psychological impact too. <clears throat> so we can correct any deficiencies there. Uh, we also do an advanced sweat test, which looks at how much sodium an athlete loses in their sweat. So what we know is that between fighters and athletes and people in general, the amount of sodium they lose in their sweat can vary, vary tremendously. I've seen it with boxing stables before, where we've gone to a boxing trainer who's got six or seven uh, fighters in camp, and actually the amount of sodium and electrolytes they lose in their sweat varies massively between each person. So that then allows us to draw up a bespoke hydration protocol so that the drinks that the fighters have when they're in camp and particularly before the fight itself are tailored to their unique requirements so they're actually replenishing exactly what they're losing. Okay, so what supplements can be useful for a fighter? Actually, it's quite a difficult question to answer because each, each person, each fighter is very different in their requirements. Um, typical staples that we might include would be things like sports drinks, sports gels, uh, beta alanine and then we'd also probably look into the bloods to see what an athlete actually needs. All too often I see that boxes in particular are given a pharmacy worth of supplements um, but actually there's been no bloods testing done whatsoever so actually we don't know whether these athletes or the fighters are having too much of a good thing. So for example with vitamin C we know that too much vitamin C consumed consistently can actually impair the ad adaptive response to training. So we've got to be careful in getting the balance right with the supplements that we provide. Um, creatine is also another one that's very, very useful and actually quite underrated in, in the boxing industry for fighters through fear of actually gaining body weight. Um, but actually this is something that really strategically needs to be implemented because it can have big, big impacts on the type of weight cut, the uh, power, speed, strength, um, actually looking after brain and neurological function as well. Um, but obviously it's, it needs to be timed appropriately. So sometimes with creatine, we'll put it in, then we'll take it out, then we'll put it in, then we'll take it out again. And that's where really we need to have a pinpoint approach with the supplements. Um, things like recovery shakes can be good too. Again, when implemented strategically, as I mentioned, we actually need to try and um, optimize every single calorie that a fighter has. And also they need to try and stay as full as possible. So sometimes it might be that we strip back on the, on the fluids, on the recovery shakes and actually just give real food instead. We, we all know that can have a similar impact, um, but actually it helps them to feel a bit fuller for longer. So it's a big, big balance with things. Um, again, we'll look into the blood, so we'll look for any deficiencies. Vitamin D, particularly at this time of year, is quite a common one. Uh, so depending on the if an athlete is deficient in vitamin D and the severity of that deficiency, we'll then dictate the type of protocol that they will be on in terms of vitamin D and, and getting that back into the optimal range, which obviously can have big impacts on bone health, muscle function, uh, and also immunity too. So there's a lot of different supplements that we can recommend, but actually it needs to be individually tailored to each fighter and, and their requirements too. So a huge thanks to Scott there for an amazing episode and it's clear to see why he's doing so well. In reflection, the traditional route of rapid weight loss towards the end of a fight camp perplexes me. You're going to risk injury, illness, loss of performance and even risk death as we tragically seen with some MMA fighters. Aiming to fight well below your natural weight to maximise your punching power and your ability to take it 
It also has its limits and can lead to things like yo-yoing weight, hormonal imbalances and psychological problems. For me, a steady ship always wins a race. Leading up to a fight, we want to refuel and rehydrate within an individual specific framework and use quality foods. And I often see Scott with things like beetroot brownies and bone broths. Testing can be really useful for a fighter to one, set up specific targets and two, provide info on how to best achieve these targets. Things like nutrition deficiencies, rehydration strategies, intensities for fat loss or physiological ad adaptations, the list goes on. I'm a big food first man, but Scott did mention some proven supplements that can be useful for fighters, such as beta alanine, creatine, and the science around neurological support and repair is absolutely fascinating at the moment with aspects like creatine, omega-3 and ketones may be proven to aid this area, which is so important to trauma sports. So thanks a lot for tuning in. Please follow and like our podcast and remember you can see the full video on our Colourfit YouTube. Take care.